Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Ephesians 6 and verse 4, yeah, that's great. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. But bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. The next passage is Romans 14 and verse 4. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He observes the day, observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day, to the Lord he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord. I'm about to eat to the Lord after this gathering. Amen. I was talking to my wife. She said, oh, we got plans. I said, oh, yeah. She said, I got a meal plan for tomorrow. She ain't talking about like a little meal plan for someone on a diet. She's talking about we're about to have a throwdown for Father's Day at the house. But he who eats, eats to the Lord. We're about to eat to the Lord. For he gives God thanks, and he who does not eat, to the Lord he does not eat, and gives God thanks. I want to preach a message to you today titled, Pressure to Pleasure. Pressure to Pleasure. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that Jesus is the head of this church. He's the great shepherd that he's promised to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would confront the plans of the enemies, the lies of the enemies. Lord, against fathers and marriages and homes and this congregation, that the blood of Jesus would speak better things. That, Holy Spirit, you would engraft, Lord, the character of Christ and the truth of Christ in hearts and minds today. I acknowledge publicly my need for you, Holy Spirit. Make words be spirit in life. Do what only you can do. We'll give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe... Some of you know Savannah Brown, who is a leader here in this congregation. If not, she works at a ministry here, right down Highway 92 here in Woodstock, called Seeds. And um, at Seeds, I found out here recently from her that they have a, a prayer wall where customers and people that come in, they can post different prayer needs or prayer requests. In fact, recently she posted on Instagram. Now, let me stop you there. If I've never liked your post on Instagram or never liked your stuff on Facebook, it's not because I don't like you. It's just I'm not on Facebook and Instagram probably as much as you. With that being said, disclosure, 2018, got to disclose everything, you know. Protect the demon of offense that's everywhere in these days, but... Uh, by the way, those that love the Lord's way and law won't be offended. What it means is you keep your eyes on Jesus. We're going to talk about it today. It'll guard you from offense. But Savannah posted on Instagram, and I just happened to see it, and it really spoke and touched my heart. And what it was is it was this prayer card that a child had put up on the prayer wall. In fact, they have a picture here. And uh, it says, Dear God, I pray that dad will have confidence. Wow. Now, I don't know this child. I don't know the situation of this child. I don't know the situation. 
with the dad and the home and what is going on and the pressures of life. But what hit me is, is here's a child that has a great awareness and an observation of the responsibility, the pressures, and the weight that their dad carries. And that child and it, his or her king's awareness prayed that their dad would have confidence in dealing with the pressures of life, circumstances and issues of life. See, the truth of the matter is, any father can tell you that being a father carries great weight and responsibility. Sometimes people talk about wanting to have kids and it seems that they talk about it without the awareness that it is a great weight. It is a great responsibility. But see, today we're in a series titled Christ Ethics. All fathers carry weight and responsibility of fatherhood, but what about the disciple, the follower of Jesus Christ? How does Christ ethics meet the responsibility and the pressure and the weight that all fathers carry? How does liberty meet Father's Day? Well, in Ephesians 6.4 we read... Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, he tells the fathers, he says, hey, don't provoke your children to wrath, bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. What is that saying? He's speaking to responsibility. Someone say responsibility. Then in Romans 14 and 4, we saw that Paul tells the church in Rome, he says, who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own, his or her own mind. He who observes the day, observes it to the Lord. He who does not observe the day, to the Lord he does not observe it. What's he speaking to? He's speaking to the liberty of conscience in an area not clearly defined or demanded by the Father for all children under the new covenant. What he's saying is, is that observing a special day or not observing a special day is a matter of liberty among believers. Meaning I'm going to today choose to honor and celebrate fathers. It's my liberty to do that. Maybe there's some here that don't celebrate or don't want to participate in today in the celebration and honoring of fathers. That's your liberty. But if that's you, please don't ruin the party for the rest of us. That wouldn't be love. What it means is, is that there are issues of liberty. In such days, times like that, you find different believers and their views over Christmas and things, and this liberty of celebrating days comes into Christ's ethics. But he says, either way, if you celebrate it, do it to the Lord. If you don't celebrate it, you still do not observe it, do it unto the Lord. So, For fathers, in honor of Father's Day, I'm going to give each of you gold today before you leave. You must not check the gold prices lately. That's a a chance to get excited. That or you've had so many preachers lie to you over the years. (laughs) You've been to so many different churches. But listen, I want to give you gold, but let me explain. Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16 you find a very interesting psalm. In fact, it is one of only 
few that carry this special title, the type of psalm it is of David. In fact, it's Psalm 16 and only Psalms 56 through 60 that carry this special title. What is this special title? It's a miktam. A miktam. It's a miktam of David. What does that mean? Listen, it's a Hebrew word and scholars and people sort of differ over the whole essence of what it is, but there are only those psalms that carry this miktam. And what they believe is, is that it was a... It was a psalm that was so precious that it was considered to be worthy to be engraved on a durable tablet. A durable tablet. And that often the psalm, because it was deemed worthy of such value, after it was engraved upon a tablet, it would be lined with gold. It would be stamped with gold. So fathers, we're giving you something that's so precious it's stamped with gold today. We're giving you truth and a perspective for us. It's also applicable to all of us that the Holy Spirit wants to stamp this like gold upon our hearts and minds. Gold in Scripture speaks of the divinity and the character and the nature, the mind and character of Christ. First, I thought, what is so precious about this psalm that it would be engraved? See, most of the psalms, what were they written on? They were written on parchment. Do you understand? Parchment, parchment is very susceptible to weather, to climate, to being ruined and not preserved. But this psalm was deemed so worthy and so precious, they engraved it on a tablet on stone and then they stamped it with gold. Now let's read this. Proverbs 16, I mean, Psalm 16, verse 1, Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, You are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied who hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names on my lips. Verse 5. O Lord, You are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because... He is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol. Nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Notice David says in verse 1, Preserve me, O God. The word preserve is the Hebrew word for watch over. What David says is, Lord, preserve, watch over me because I trust in you. See, for a father who has responsibility, the responsibility to watch over God's prized creation, you say, what is God's prized creation? Children. For the kingdom belongs to every child that's born. 
And as one, as a father responsible to watch over God's prized possession children and other areas of responsibility I have that I'm to watch over, it is great comfort to know that as I am responsible to watch over children and additional things, the Heavenly Father delights to watch over me. I want to tell you as a father, you can find great comfort that even you is not a father that's here today, you can find great comfort that as you have a responsibility to watch over things in life, that your heavenly Father finds great delight in watching over you. Now I want to tell you that that's worthy to allow the Holy Spirit to engrave that upon your heart and mind. That as you go about your areas of responsibility and you go about watching over things that you're responsible for, that you do it with an awareness, with a consciousness engraved upon your heart and mind that the Heavenly Father is watching over you as you watch over it. David continues in verse 2, he says, My soul says to the Lord, My mind, my awareness, my consciousness, my attitude, my perception says to the Lord. My emotional state says to the Lord. My will and my affection, my soul says to the Lord what? My goodness is nothing apart from you. Wow! What a great self-awareness David had. David had an amazing self-awareness. What an amazing confession and testimony to those David was responsible to watch over, to his spouse, to his children, to those that he was a leader over, to areas of responsibility. David lives with this awareness and he has this great confession to them that he watches over that my goodness apart from Jesus is nothing. What a powerful, powerful confession. See, children who haven't experienced pain and evil and emotional trauma yet in life, they look to their father and they see so much goodness in that father. Oftentimes, if you're a business owner and you're a decent leader and you're good at what you do, people will look to you in your areas of responsibility. But David says, I need those that I watch over and those that would praise me in areas I watch over. I need them to understand that the goodness they're looking at apart from Jesus equates to nothing lasting for God's kingdom. I don't want them to get confused and want them to be drawn to find something in me that ultimately still results in death. I want them to understand that my goodness, my ability, my level of ability apart from Jesus does not lead to lasting fruit. It's not a goodness that brings life. It's not a goodness that brings me on my own ability right before my heavenly Father, my Creator. It's a goodness that still brings death. You remember in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Notice it was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and yet it still brought separation. It still brought alienation. It still brought disastrous fruit and difficulty and turmoil upon the earth and in relationships and pain. But how many remember there was another tree? It was called the tree of life. Jesus is life. 
That's why Jesus said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. And David wants people to understand that a human's goodness apart from Jesus still does not equate to being in a right relationship with the Creator. does not equate to lasting kingdom fruit. What great self-awareness. That apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ, what I do, that is declared by others, co-workers, children, family, friends, admirers, that what I do that is declared good by others is still by God declared not to meet His standard. It's important as a father you live with this self-awareness that any good your children see in you or any good that others see in you that you remind them and confess to them, listen, that goodness apart from Jesus does not bring lasting joy, lasting life, lasting kingdom fruit. An amazing, amazing, important awareness and confession. In fact, it's fathers and people that live without such awareness that cause the continuation of fruit that leaves a bitter taste in people's mouths and relationships and uh, fruit of pride and self-dependence and self-glory. But you know, I'm a father of three. Nine, seven, and three. And I, as a father, I find comfort that as I'm responsible to watch over my children and additional responsibilities, that God doesn't expect me to be good on my own. As a father that has the responsibility to watch over children and other responsibilities of leading my home and my marriage and finances and a business owner and a leader and a servant to the body of Christ, that as one with many much responsibility, I find great comfort that the Heavenly Father does not expect me to be good in all those areas I'm responsible to watch over without Him. He don't ask me to be good in those areas without trusting Him to watch over me, to guide me, to help me. That's why the Holy Spirit, the great comforter that's here today, extending the ministry of Jesus Christ, that's why He's called the helper. God doesn't expect me to be good on my own in areas of my soul. He doesn't expect me to be righteous on my own, godly on my own, accomplishing on my own, sustaining and standing on my own. No, the Father is delighted through Jesus Christ to provide His goodness for me in areas of my soul that need His goodness. The Father is delighted to provide His ability for me in areas I need His competence and ability. I find great comfort that the Father knows that I'm not to be good on my own. I don't have to try to front before people and act like I'm better on my own than them or others. I can confess unashamedly of my need of the gospel of Jesus Christ and find comfort in that my Creator doesn't want me to try to be good and sufficient on my own. Hallelujah. Verse 3, David says, The saints on earth are the excellent ones in whom is my delight. Very interesting. It's not here, David, it's not talking about the like the writer of Hebrews, the great cloud of witnesses in heaven that he de- he's not finding comfort in, in that. What David is saying is that I find delight in the excellent saints that surround me on earth in the midst of what I'm going through. 
in the midst of the pressures of life, in the midst of the responsibilities that I'm to watch over, that I find great comfort and delight, that there are excellent saints, excellent ones that surround me. See, I find that the excellent circle of friends that needs to surround me are the saints here on earth. I have found that as I deal with the pressures of what I'm called and responsible to watch over, I find comfort that there are excellent saints who watch over me as I'm watching over what I'm responsible for. I find great comfort that there are people that love and care for me enough that as I watch over what I'm responsible to watch over, that they delight in watching over me to ensure that if I were to begin to get way off the path, that they care for me enough to step in and speak truth and love to me. David says, I find great delight and comfort that as I'm watching over many things, there are some excellent saints also watching over me. Boy, that's the power of a modeling community. That's the power of Jesus Christ in His body. That's the power of Christ working through His people. That we can be comforted that as we watch over, there are others who know us and watch over us. Hallelujah. I want to ask you fathers today, I want to ask all of you here today, fathers, who is that circle that surrounds you? What type of men do you surround yourself with? Is it worldly men, worldly men that think that their goodness apart from trusting and following Jesus is sufficient? Or is it some men that understand like David that our goodness apart from trusting and following Jesus is not sufficient? These are godly saints. Or do you surround yourself with self-sufficient people? It's like what Psalms 119.63 said. The psalmist said that I am a companion of all those who fear you, who keep your precepts. David continues in verse 4. He says, listen, I find delight in the excellent ones, the saints that surround me, that as I watch over things, they watch over me. And therefore, verse 4, he says, I will not put other gods before me. I will not have lips that trust in other gods. I will not set idols before me. I'll not talk to idols. What is he talking about? He's talking about in his culture and the unbelieving nations around him that they would go and cut down a tree and they'd make a little idol and they would fashion it. It was the work of their own hands. It was the work of their own ability. They would have little idols, little false gods, little statues sometimes that would be coated in silver and gold. I think it's interesting that Paul, that uh, David here says, no, let me engrave this psalm and let it be stamped in gold because the real gold is finding comfort that there is a one who watches over you. But there were unbelievers and they would set false gods before them. Idols. And the idols had mouths but couldn't give them wisdom. The idols had eyes but couldn't see the future. The idols had hands but they couldn't Help them. David said, I'm not one like unbelievers that's going to set false idols, false gods before me. But he says in verse 7, but instead I will bless the Lord. David says, instead I'm going to bless the Lord. Why? He tells you why in verse 1. For in you, O Lord, I put my trust. I want to tell some fathers today that when you put your trust that there is a heavenly Father that's watching over you as you watch over your responsibilities, that when you are trusting in Him, that you will bless the Lord, that out of your heart, your mouth will give God thanksgiving and praise and worship, that you will bless the Lord. Why? Because you trust in Him. Then he says, not only will I bless the Lord, but I'll set the Lord always before me. Why does David always set the Lord before him? 
Because again, verse 1, he puts his trust in him. David says, I'll set the Lord always before me. Why? Because my goodness is nothing apart from you. So I set the Lord before me because He is my strength. He is my goodness. He is the chance to experience godly character. He is my victory. He is my joy. He is the one that's able to make me stand. See, David's saying, look, false idols are movable. An unbeliever could get a false idol. They would oftentimes hide it in walls and places like that because, they, again, people ain't wealthy like today we experience wealth on the world. And they would have those things made by the hands of a man dipped in gold or silver. So they would hide it. But then when they had need, they'd go and they'd get those idols out and set it before them and begin to talk to these idols that had no power to change situations. Mouse but couldn't speak. Couldn't provide lasting joy to the person's heart nor lasting strength to the life that the person had to deal with. David says, no, 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 I put the Lord always before me. I will bless the Lord because I trust in Him. And David says, therefore I find comfort that my Lord, my God, the only true God, I find comfort because the immovable King is at my right hand and therefore I shall not be moved. He says other people have gods that move. But my God is immovable. Therefore, as I keep Him before me, He begins to strengthen me and make me immovable. That's what we saw in Romans 14 where there's some fathers and there's some people and in liberty they can say, you know what, I purposed in my heart that, this, that I'm going to do this unto the Lord. And Paul said, God's able to make you stand in that thing. That when you put it before the immovable Lord, He's able to make you become immovable with that that you purposed in your heart. You do it unto Him and for His glory. See, I find comfort that as I am responsible to watch over my responsibilities, that I have a right-hand man that cannot be moved. I have a right-hand man that cannot be moved from a place of power. He cannot be moved from a place of authority. He cannot be moved from a place of competency, a place of wisdom and honor, that Jesus Christ cannot be moved from being seated at the right hand of God in victory and in glory. And David says, I find comfort that I have a right-hand man that cannot be moved. Oh, I wish someone would go ahead and praise the Lord that you have a right-hand man in Jesus that cannot be moved. That those circumstances can move and the gods of culture can move. Oh, but Jesus is immovable. Hallelujah. I have a right-hand man who cannot move. He says in verse 5, you maintain my lot. The word maintain there means you uphold my lot. See, I find comfort that my right-hand man who can't be moved helps me maintain and uphold my lot of responsibility. As you fathers, as you followers of Christ always set the Lord before you, you got to understand that now when you keep the Lord always before you because you trust in Him, you're not the only one carrying the weight of that responsibility, carrying the weight and the pressure of what you have the responsibility to watch over. That Jesus Christ, the Lord always before you, He comes up under that same yoke. He comes up under that weight and that burden and the pressures, and he begins to bear it with you. You have a right-hand man who will not be moved and who helps you uphold your responsibilities. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm not on my own and what I'm responsible for. 
I never have been on my own as a follower of Christ. I never will be on my own as a follower of Christ. I won't be alone in this circumstance. I won't be alone in this pressure. I won't be alone in that pressure because the Lord upholds with me the responsibilities He's called me to watch over. Hallelujah. He says, now to fathers who didn't have a decent father, this is huge. It's huge. Because fathers that grow up without a father, they begin to experience pressures in life as they begin to mature and grow and they begin to realize their incompetence and their lack of ability that they cannot deal effectively with all the pressures of life that they don't have all the wisdom they need with all the choices in life that they don't have all of the finances and resources need to deal with things that they encounter but for those of us that ever felt that you can be encouraged and comforted today that in Jesus Christ you have a right hand man you're never alone that his ability becomes available for your ability that his resources becomes available for your resources that his wisdom and knowledge becomes available for your wisdom and knowledge I wish some men and some people today would go ahead and praise him that you have a right hand man he says in verse 9 therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices my flesh also will rest in hope notice that My glory rejoices, my flesh rests. What is he saying? Well, I know one application of it. It's like what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 and 7. He talks about how a a woman is a glory of man. Meaning a wife is the glory of her husband. And Paul in 1 Thessalonians 2.20, he speaks of spiritual children as his glory and joy. What he's saying is, is my wife and my children how they feel and what they experience is my glory and my joy. And what he's saying is, is that my wife and my family, they rejoice and my children find rest. Why? Here's why. I want to tell you fathers, that your children and if you're married, your wife will find great comfort in the fact of your responsibility to watch over things as they see you trusting the Lord to watch over you. That's what he's saying. David's saying, my wife is chilled. My children are relaxed. My flesh, my children, Paul said, a husband and wife become one flesh. My wife is rejoicing. Why? Because she sees that in my areas of responsibility I'm to watch over, that I'm trusting the Lord to watch over me. That when a wife and children see a father who's always blessing the Lord, worshiping the Lord, putting the Lord before them, praying and seeking the Lord, seeking first the kingdom of God, setting the Lord always before them, not depending on their own goodness as being enough, having godly friends around them, that the wife and the children will rejoice and be at rest because they know and find comfort that though as you're to lead the family and guide the family and make some important decisions about the family that as long as you keep the Lord before you that in the areas you're watching over they find rest and comfort that you're trusting in the one who watches over them and watches over you oh hallelujah hallelujah I've seen it I've seen it with my wife and family he says in verse 5 for Lord you uphold my lot you uphold my lot Notice 
David says, Lord, you uphold my lot. You uphold what I have allowed, what you've called me to, and other things I've purposed are to be my responsibility. You uphold that. But notice, it's the Lord upholds my lot. What He's teaching you, and it's very valuable for you to let the Holy Spirit engrave this upon your heart and mind, is I can't control what others will commit to and do. But I can learn to control through the Lord what I commit myself to and do. That's what David says. And whatever through the Lord I commit myself to do and commit to, listen, the Lord will help me uphold that responsibility. Hallelujah. God is able to make you stand in what you purpose to be responsibility for you. He's able to make you stand. The Lord upholds my lot. Without argument, responsibilities are a type of pressure that every father feels. Without a doubt, responsibilities are a pressure that every one of you feel. Mothers, siblings, husbands, co-worker, friend. That responsibilities without an argument is a type of pressure we all feel. But I want to tell you and encourage you today to believe, to hear the word of the Lord, that we and the Lord can move from just feeling pressure about our responsibilities we are to watch over to experiencing pleasure in what we are to watch over. That in areas of responsibility, the Lord can help move us from just feeling the pressure of it to being empowered to experience pleasure in the fact that we're to watch over. That God doesn't want me to be a miserable father emotionally and to be so overwhelmed pressure-wise in the responsibility that I take no pleasure in it. God doesn't want you, business owner, to carry the pressure and the weight of that so much that you take no pleasure in what God has entrusted for you to watch over. Leader, God wants you not just to feel the pressure of it, He wants you to trust Him to move you to take pleasure in what you are to lead in and watch over. Notice verse 10. David says, You will not leave my soul in the dark place. You'll not leave my soul in the hopeless place. You'll not leave my emotions. You'll not leave my mind. You'll not leave my desires in the Sheol place, the dark place, the hopeless place. You will not allow us to see lasting corruption. Yeah, there might be some corruption coming in and there might be some corruption in your past, but here's the promise is that the Lord will not allow you to see lasting corruption. Why? Because look at verse 11. You will... Show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Notice the psalmist. You will not leave me, but you will lead me. You will not leave me in this place of hopelessness this dark place, place of confusion, lack of clarity, but you will lead me 
to a place and a path of life, a place in your presence of fullness of joy, and a place of experiencing your pleasure at my right hand. Let me address these three things David ends with, path, presence, and pleasure. Remember in Ephesians 6, 4, Paul says, And you fathers, don't provoke children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Listen, knowing the path to take as a father is a weight. It's a very, very heavy responsibility. To know the path to choose for leading your children, leading your family, leading your home, the path that your children should take, the path that your home and marriage should take if you're married. It is a heavy responsibility. But David says, as I bless the Lord, as I keep the praise of God in my mouth, as I worship Him, as I always set the Lord before me and seek Him in prayer, because I trust in Him, David says, the Lord will show me the path of life. I want to tell some men today that yes, there's the pressure of making decisions, decisions that greatly affect your marriage and your children and and their future, but you can have confidence and comfort today that if you'll keep the Lord always before you, that He will show you the path to take. Notice it's a path of life. It's a path that when you let the Lord lead you, it will lead to fruit. It will lead to signs of His favor. It will lead to the good things from the good counsel of the Lord. Listen, He'll lead you in the path of how to equip your children. The amazing thing is that you can have children from the same mother and father and yet they can be so distinct, so different, different personalities. And David says, oh, the Lord will show you the path on how to train the different children, how to lead the different children, how to deal with the different personalities of the different children, how to equip them, how to bring them up into the Lord. Does anybody else find comfort today but besides me? Hallelujah. Fathers, he says, you can find comfort. He'll show you the path financially. He'll show you the path financially. I want to tell some men, some fathers, that the Lord cares about money. He don't expect you to be good with money on your own. He wants to come up under that responsibility as He's entrusted you to watch over finances and make financial decisions, the Lord wants to help you and show you financially which way you should take. He wants to show you the career path to take. I want to testify that the Lord's been so good to me. He's been so good to me not because I'm more competent than others, not that I'm more educated than others, that I have more skill than others, that I had a better upbringing that set me to be so much advanced than others, but He's been so Lord, so faithful that as I've set the Lord before me, and acknowledge that my goodness and ability apart from Him is not sufficient to deal with the pressures of life, that the Lord has shown me the path, hallelujah, and He'll show you the path. He paves a way. In Acts 2 and 28, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter stands up and begins to preach and explain what was just experienced by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, he quotes this psalm of David. Peter quotes this psalm, but in Acts it's a little different. Peter quotes and it says, You have made known, past tense to me, the paths of life. The ways of life, he calls it. David says, listen, you will show me the path. How many understand that's future tense? 
Peter shows up on the day of Pentecost and he testifies and says, the ways of life have been made known to me. It's interesting. That's past tense. You will show me his future tense. You have shown me his past tense. Let me ask you this question. What happened between David and the day of Pentecost? Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. What does it mean? It means the path for the ways of life, fathers, followers of Christ, people here today and those listening, the path forward to experience the ways of life is the cross. What does the cross represent? It represents surrender and trust. That Jesus in and through the cross, He surrendered and trusted the Father to be faithful, to not leave Him in corruption, to not leave Him in the difficult place, to not leave Him in the dark place, but that there would be a resurrection morning, that the Lord would raise Him up out of the difficulties and the pressures of the three days. I want to tell some people today that you've maybe been in a place of pressure and a dark place, but you can trust the Lord like Jesus did in surrendering and inviting the Lord into that area to show you the path forward to experience the life and life more abundant. Let me hear one amen. Fathers, you can trust Jesus and set Him continually before you. He will show you the path of life. He'll show you the path forward. But you know, it's one thing to have the path and the ways of life made known to you and begin to follow it. But I found that that is very important. But what's also important is the presence I carry while following the path. It's not just following the path. It's also what is the emotions and the experience that I'm experiencing as I follow the path. And that leads me to number two, presence. Notice what David says. David says, in your presence is fullness of joy. In the presence of the Lord, there's something waiting for you. Fathers waiting for you. Disciples waiting for you. In His presence is fullness of joy. It's interesting though when Peter quotes from this psalm in Acts 2.28 on the day of Pentecost, he says, you will make me full of joy in your presence. David says, in your presence is fullness of joy. But not everybody can get into his presence because of their sin, because of trusting in their own goodness apart from faith in God. But then Peter says, no, you will make me full of joy in your presence. Why? Because through Christ, the way into the presence of God has been opened by Jesus' finished work. That now, fathers, now every one of you can follow Jesus into the very presence of the Father and it's in His presence you'll be filled with joy. Now listen to me, there's fathers here and you think once you reach a certain place of, of competency or a certain place financially or a certain place of accomplishment, there's many here, women here, young career minded people and you think once I reach that place I'll be filled with joy I want to tell you no you won't that the only place that you can go and truly be filled with the fullness of joy is in the presence of your heavenly father that you can be on a path and experience great blessings on the path but without the presence of the father filling you, you won't be filled with joy even though around you you'll be filled with stuff there in God's presence He'll make you full of joy 
thing about children again before they encounter any evil trauma or any evil in life, how much joy they have just being in the presence of their father. Just being in his presence, how much joy. Well, it's the same for you, friend. There's joy for you in your heavenly father's presence. Just being there. I want to tell you that it's presence over perfection. So you think if I can get life perfect the way I want. So you think if I can get perfect the way I want to be perfect, then that will fill me with joy. I want to tell you no. No, 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 no. Listen, it's presence over perfection. Let me ask you this question. Would you rather have everything perfect in your life the way you define perfection and yet be without God's presence and joy? Or would you rather have His presence that fills you with joy even in the midst of an imperfect world? I see this in my children. I can be home five hours straight. Let's hyperbole a little bit. I could be home six days straight. Hyperbole. Hyperbole. You missed a joke. Y'all thought I was that dumb. I'm dumb. Not that dumb. Missed a joke. Teacher, what's a high, 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 anyway, all right. I could be home five hours straight. Let's, let's stretch it out a little bit. I could be home six days straight. I could be home 72.4 days straight. And the moment I go to leave to a meeting that has to happen outside the house, the kids are going, oh my God, why do you got to leave, Daddy? Daddy, no, please stay, Daddy. We want you here. I'm like, wait a minute. We, we see things very different. I've been here like the last five hours and you ain't asked me for nothing. You weren't next to me. You didn't want to play with me. I'm sitting outside jumping on the trampoline by myself. You ain't jumping with me. Like, what's going on? Listen, they're not looking for a perfect experience, a perfect overwhelming fireworks, amazing stuff nonstop in the home. They desire presence over that. It's just the fact that my presence is in the home that they find comfort, they find strength, that if they have a need, if they want to do something, they have access to me. I want to tell some believers today that if you have a need and you're dealing with some pressures and you're carrying some responsibilities, you have access to the Father's presence. You are of His house through Jesus Christ. A way has been paved through your faith in Jesus. Why not come into the Father's presence and let Him fill you with joy? As you bless the Lord and set the Lord before you and spend time with the Father, His presence will fill you with joy. He'll comfort you with joy. Set Him before you. He'll speak to you regarding the path to take. Get in His presence. He'll fill you with His joy. And then thirdly, as Maddie comes, let's talk about these pleasures. David says, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Very interesting. God at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Why? What's at the right hand of God? Jesus is. 
And at the right hand of God, His pleasures are there forevermore because through the finished work of Jesus Christ, God has accomplished everything He wants to do for His eternal purpose. He's found a way to bring you back to Him. He's found a way to forgive you. He's found a way to cleanse you. He's found a way to enter into the pressures and the responsibilities and the cares of this life and to help you and to give grace to you. At His right hand is pleasures forevermore. Why? Because it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. To give you righteousness where you're unrighteous. To give you the character of Jesus where you have the character of the old creation. To give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. To give you peace that surpasses all understanding. David says, oh, at your right hand, God, is pleasures forevermore. Why? Because at the right hand of God, Jesus is seated in victory and in honor. And there's nothing that can move Him from that place of authority. At the right hand of God, Jesus is seating. He truly is sovereign over all. There is nothing that is impossible to Him that believes in Him. At the right hand is pleasures forevermore. Because at the right hand of God, that's where my right hand man is. My right hand man is at the right hand of God with all authority, with all power, with all dominion, with a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And listen, the reason why there's pleasures forevermore at the right hand is because my right hand man who's with me, if I'll set him before me in the areas of pressure, he'll move the pressure to the pleasure of me seeing him move in that situation. I want to tell you that it's greater pleasure to see the unseen hand of God move in the pressures of my life than to see what this little hand can accomplish in this life. I want to tell some people today, some fathers today, that God wants to move you from pressure to seeing the pleasure of Jesus' power and authority and victory work in your situation. Oh, it's a pleasure to see God lead, God guide, God speak, God provide. It's a pleasure to see the unseen God come through Jesus into my situation, to see Him come into your situation. It pleases God to move on your behalf. On your behalf. Remember the kids' prayer? God, please give Daddy confidence. See, confidence is a pleasure. It's a pleasure that in my pressure and in my areas that I'm to watch over and in my responsibility, confidence is a pleasure that I have a right-hand man, that all the resources of heaven, the ability of my right-hand man, Jesus, is available to me that every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies has been purchased for me that the blessing of Abraham the promise of the help of the Holy Spirit is here for me you know what else is a pleasure competency there ain't no man no father there ain't no person that just wants to suck at life just fail at everything David says, oh, because I got a right-hand man who's at a right hand of God, who cannot be moved, who's got an unshakable kingdom, I can find pleasure that he is my confidence when I have no confidence in my own ability. He is my confidence when I don't know what to do. He is my knowledge and my way forward. It is a pleasure to know Jesus as your right-hand man. 
He is your confidence. You know what else is? Celebration. It's a pleasure to be celebrated. It's a pleasure to experience the victory of Jesus, of overcoming that which seems hopeless, that which seems dark, death and the fruits of death and the corruption and the evil of this world. It is a pleasure to experience the celebration of resurrection over suffering, over being wrongly accused, over death. Sheol, it's a pleasure. See, experiencing His authority and victory over obstacles, over situations, that's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. David said, there's a wall before me and I might be running from some circumstances and from the attacks of the enemy but through my God if there's a circumstance an obstacle before me through my God He'll make my legs like a deer and I'll jump right over it I want to tell you it's a pleasure to know you're going through life with a right hand man who can make your legs be what your legs can't be by themselves Woo! Jesus! What a right hand man because you know what the opposite of such pleasure is in life? I tell you, you already know. I'm just going to help you know that what you're thinking is what I'm after. The opposite is frustration. The opposite is feeling helpless. The opposite is feelings of failure time and time again that leads to times of depression. The opposite is feeling uncelebrated, not being honored in life. The other day I was at the house and I had been outside all day doing work. Different things that I had purposed in my lot as responsibility to take care of. If you have any awareness of what's been happening the last several days, it was hot. It was very hot. And by this time I'm already drenched. I mean my shirt is soaked. I'm drenched. I've been outside in the sun. I like doing that. I enjoy it. But I'm out there. And I had planned, after all the tasks I had already done, I had planned to do something that I had been desiring to do, and the wife wanted me to do as well, to pressure wash the house. So I finished all these tasks. The last thing was to do that, and I go, and I get out the pressure washer. I start reading like the 16 steps. There's one through seven over here. And then they go down here, and then they wrap around. I start checking everything, put gas in it, go to crank it, nothing. I check and make sure I got the right gas can, the non-ethanol. Yeah, that wasn't just less than 10. That was the 0% ethanol. Still not starting. I'm checking the list again. I'm going through it, and there I am. I'm hot. Pressure, the sun's weighing down. I'm drenched. I'm halfway already exhausted. I'm sitting there helpless because I desire to pressure wash my house yet my ability, my wisdom, my competency level is not sufficient enough to figure out what's wrong with the thing can't get it going I wanted to cry I didn't it's okay if I did it's good for men to cry men are just we have emotions like women now we normally don't cry as much as women but it's good for men to cry. 
And you need to know that because some of you men, you have areas right now that are like Sheol and it, you feel helpless in, and yet people have told you you can't cry in that place. I want to tell you, you can cry in that place because God sees every tear as a seed where you can begin to look to Him, where your help comes from. And that seed, He can turn into an opportunity to reveal the right-hand man who's got power and authority over things much greater than a pressure washer. And there I am, and I'm sitting on the ground, and I don't know what I had. I don't think necessarily it was a vision. Maybe it was, but all of a sudden I perceived and I saw Jesus sitting on a ground on a hillside like I was sitting on the ground outside my house. So he's sitting on a hillside and he's overlooking Jerusalem. And he's sitting there and just as Dr. Luke records in Luke 13 with tears. Scripture don't say it, but this is what I perceived. A revelation, tears coming down his face. Saying, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Out of his frustration, tears. A sense of helplessness. The one who kills the prophet stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together. Look at that. I wanted to. I wanted to pressure wash it. I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under the wings, but you were not willing. I wanted to pressure wash, but this thing was unwilling. Here is God revealed through the person of Jesus. It hit me. You know what it what Jesus looks like, God looks like through the person of Jesus at times on the earth, it looks like Him sitting on the ground with tears running down His face. Who understands moments of feeling helpless, moments of frustration, because He was willing to power wash His Old Testament people. He was willing to power wash His Old Testament house. He was willing to cleanse them of all their sin, cleanse them from all their guilt. He was willing to flood them with mercy that would triumph over their judgment. He was willing to bring them into deep, close to His heart, and to protect them, and to bless them. And yet... He couldn't because they were unwilling. And it hit me. How many fathers here today? How many men here today? How many people, how many followers of Christ are just people who aren't followers of Christ currently? How many of you, it's the same thing, that the Father through Jesus wants to power wash your house? He wants to wash away the guilt. He wants to wash away the shame. He wants to wash away the hurt. He wants to wash away the residue of your past. How many of you here today does God want to pressure wash and power wash your home and your marriage and your relationships and what happens in the home and yet we're being unwilling because we've not allowed the psalm that's worthy to be engraved by gold in our hearts and minds and to comfort us that God doesn't expect you to be good on your own without trusting Jesus. God's willing, but are you unwilling? Ephesians 1 5 says, God predestined, He predetermined to adopt you as His child. Just as child, one that has full access, a son legally declared to have access to all that the Father has by Jesus Christ Himself. Watch this, according to the good pleasure of His will. Oh, I want to tell you. You can trust the Heavenly Father as revealed through Jesus. It's His good pleasure to wash areas of your life. 
to pressure wash or to power wash, to give you the power of the Holy Spirit to enable you to do what on your own you're not able to do. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you joy in the midst of pressure. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Oh, He delights and longs to. He's ready. He's ready today. See, it's like this. My my children, Caleb's here on the front row. Love him so much. He's a wonderful son. I'm so proud of you. But his glory, his victory becomes my glory and my victory. Are you with me? It's the same for your heavenly father. That he takes joy and he is glorified when you experience his glory and victory for the areas of pressure. Pleasures of competency are available right now at the Father's hand through Jesus. Pleasures of victory and triumph are available right now at the right hand of the Father through Jesus. The Heavenly Father finds glory in you and your victory as you turn and trust in Jesus Christ the King. Fathers, I want to tell you on this Father's Day, you can trust in the perfect Father. I want to encourage every one of you to bless the Lord, to set the Lord always before you, to find delight in godly friendships, to remember that you're not expected to be good in everything apart from trusting in the Lord. And as you do, watch this, watch God watch over you as you watch over them. Fathers, watch God watch over you as you watch over your children. Those with responsibility, watch God watch over you as you watch over those responsibilities. Watch the Lord show His path, pathways to life. Watch Him fill you with joy from His presence. Watch Jesus, your right-hand man, share His ability to rule and reign in the midst and through pressures and circumstances of life. Like Paul said, we're more than conquerors. Let Him move you from pressure to pleasure. Let me hear an amen. Stand to your feet all across this place. Why don't you go ahead and go ahead if you've set the Lord before you because you trust in Him. Why don't you go ahead and bless Him? Why don't you just out of your mouth go ahead and thank Him? Why don't you go ahead and invite Him? the unseen hand of God into situations where you were ready to do it, but yet you found yourself incapable, incompetent. Let the willingness of God help you, come to you, invite Him in. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.